Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hello Egg Chasers, it's the Egg Chasers Rugby Podcast, the podcast about rugby that doesn't take itself or the game too seriously. I'm the podcast about rugby that is there for you 52 weeks of the year, every single Monday, for very nearly 10 years. And we're back here again. Thank you very much for listening. I'm Tim, that's JB. Hello Tim. Live in the Rugby Dungeon with me. Uh, in the Egg Chasers TMO shipping container again. Yeah. Because he is... Lazy. Lazy <laughs> and by proxy saving lives, because he's... Uh, He's at home. Well, he's got the kids in the TMO shipping container, so his wife can work saving lives. Um, Phil, the hero's hero. I, I, I am a hero. Everyone, clap for me, please. On Father's Day as well. God, I mean, the heroism knows no bounds. Amazing. <laughs> exactly. Did you? Did you? Is young Thomas old enough to understand Father's Day and stuff? Uh, he he kind of knows what it is because he's made a card at nursery. Um, I don't really think so, though. Although, I mean, what is it? I'm, I'm not sure I'm old enough to really know what Father's Day is other than um, a way of extracting money out of people. <laughs> so cynical, yeah. Phil. I always assume that Father's <laughs> Day, much like my birthday is now, is just another day where I've got to do things that other people want. Oh, let's go out for a nice family walk. Nope. Let's go for a nice family meal. Nope. Like, all of these things. Well, I, I got that. My, my daughter, Connie, said, uh, we can have a, we can spend some time together today, Dad. I went, oh, that'd be nice. And she went, uh, Not yeah. Not three o'clock, though. Yeah, we, yeah. Uh, we, we, can, uh, we can go into town and you can buy me those Doc Martins. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I did today. <laughs> wow. Yeah. That's great work. My, I guess perfect Father's Day would be like, bring me a coffee. Make me some breakfast. Leave me alone. Leave me alone is a huge part, isn't it? Don't, Leave don't, me alone. Don't bring me a coffee. They won't get the crema right on the top. Yeah, and... exactly. Yeah, yeah. Actually, just don't be in the vicinity when I'm making my coffee. Exactly. That, that'd be great. Yeah. yeah, always be in a different room to me. Uh, so to fathers, to fathers everywhere, I hope you enjoyed your special day. Um, what a weekend we have had. And on the, I think what we're going to do, gents, uh, is we're going to have two podcasts because I don't want to muddy the waters of this pure celebration of rugby with other stuff yes it's maybe more um uh not not negative but more just just off the field off off field so we'll have an on-field pod and an off-field pod and this is very much on field because how good was it phil jb uh tense the storylines were incredible i i loved it i loved it i i loved it so there's obviously multiple um finals and knockout rugby um, this weekend, yeah, starting from there was the Blues Crusaders game, um, there was the Premiership final, there was the Pro 14 or um, URC or, or basically the Curry Cup final, um, and then there was the Top 14 semi final or semi finals. Um, 
the one that was of most interest to us, obviously, was the Premiership final. And I loved it. <laughs> I, lo- I absolutely loved it. I thought it was an incredible game, incredible storylines. Um, I've seen complaints from some quarters about the um, the level of kicking throughout the game and um, people kind of taking umbrage with that and saying it ruined it as a spectacle. I totally disagree. Yeah. I, I think it was an absolutely incredible spectacle. And you, if, if you want to watch running uh, entire running rugby, there's been some great stuff this season, but you're rarely going to get it in a final. Like the, 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 the very nature of a final being both the two top teams, so the two most evenly matched teams, playing at the peak with everything on the line, you should not expect open running rugby um, for the majority of the game nor should you really want it because that would indicate it's, it's going in a direction other than a total arm wrestle, a total battle. And I thought this was a brilliant, brilliant battle and an amazing spectacle. A great measure of that, and I totally agree, Phil, a great measure of that is the fact that I didn't mind who won. I, I mm. Honestly, I, I had no preference. I just enjoyed the 80 minutes. And my nerves were completely shot in the last yeah. five minutes. <laughs> I, my heart, I, I checked. My heart rate got re- really quite high. It was uh, it was unbelievable tension. Yeah, I loved all the storylines building up to it. Yeah, on that actually, I'm glad you mentioned that because Andy Hodson uh, he emailed contactedchasers at gmail dot com. Sorry to but over, but it's kind of making the point, and and he just lists them here. He says Tim uh, Tim often says stories make matches, and and you you guys say it as well. Uh, has there ever been a Premiership winning team with more stories in it than Tigers this weekend? Genjin Ford playing in their last matches. Wigglesworth winning another Premiership against his old club in his early 50s Ben and Tom Young's appearing in the in the face of family tragedy tragedy Chris Ashton having won titles with one third of the clubs in the league and Freddie Burns who looked like he might never fulfill his potential kicking the winning goal awesome stories I'm not a Tigers fan and the game was far from a classic in some respects but a compelling but a compelling spectacle nonetheless loved it says Andy and Doncaster let's think of it another way which is your favorite premiership final Ooh. Exeter winning their first one. That was amazing. I agree with that. Yeah, but I actually preferred the Exeter semi-final for some reason when they beat Saracens. Yeah. Oh yeah, that was incredible. So actually, did did they beat Saracens or did they beat Wasps? They beat Saracens at Sandy Park with the last minute, the, the Henry Slade kick to the corner. That's the one. Yeah, that that's the that's the best Premiership match I think. This was up there though. This is really up there. Oh, and people with the Quinn semi-final last year when they were down to Bristol. Was, yeah, was amazing. Not interested in that. It's just. I don't know why. Hey, look, it was it was great. Like, if you're watching, oh my god, what did I just see that, that that's brilliant. But just you know, the problem with that game, I guess, is the half it. You thought it was over. There was no tension. There was no interest. You could easily have walked away from that half time. You'd have been a fool to do so, but you could have. This there was n- not a single second of wasted time, wasted rugby. And to the kicking part, apparently Leicester had kicked more than the average per game by about fifty minutes in. So they're already above their average uh, kicking percentage. And they already kick more than any other team. But it didn't mm-hmm. feel like it. I know that sounds ridiculous. I just didn't feel that... Sometimes you watch games and they're really stilted. I, this just wasn't that. It, well, it was exciting because the kicking was was generally very good. So there was a lot of box kicking. Yep. And there was a lot of... So two main thrusts of the kicking were box kicking and the, the kick tennis from deep. And... It was good because there was a lot of intelligent kicking that was 
made better by good chases and good pressure. Yeah. So that then created a bit of broken field, a half chance that that led to other things. So I kind of noted there was a lot of kicking. I didn't realize quite how many kicks. So there was over 100, over 100 kicks from hand, which is obviously more than one per minute of the whole game. But when you actually account for ball in playtime, it's more like two or three per yeah, minute. Yeah, it was, it was, it was the majority of the actual get flow of the game the majority of it was was kicking yeah. in one in one form or another there were very few long periods of phase play Think- uh, but but like, I, I, again oh. there, there was still a spectacle i was just going to say um, briefly there's one high profile game that this reminded me of or was reminiscent of in in terms of um yeah just no, there's just one very high profile game the france nope uh it was less to do with the kicking actually it reminded me of the world cup final because I, okay. I, well, I, I put it this way: it was one moment. It was no matter what Saracens did, they could, they just couldn't make the impact. And there was there was moments where you look at Maruitoji's face, like fifty, sixty minutes in, and you're like, he doesn't know what to do. Yeah. And it was like the World Cup final. It's like, oh, we, I, I, I cannot work. I cannot think my way out of this one. System error. And yet, and yet, they managed to get so close to winning. Well, they're a bloody good team. That's why. I mean, they're a really, really good team. I am still thinking about, by the way, I'm astonished that Leicester won. And I'm not sure that Leicester could have won had the team they were not playing, uh, had the team that they were playing not been Saracens on the account that it won't be often that you're so lucky to have the scrum half that knows their scheme inside out or their ex-coach and captain who knows them inside out even chris ashton would have bought things that party the guys that they're facing they know them so much better than saracens no tigers i mean obviously everyone's been doing analysis and whatnot but the plan that tiger tigers came with and to execute it so crisply and so brilliantly i mean that is one for the ages but i don't think that's how you can build a consistent consistent source of success because you're not gonna be facing saracens every final you were gonna jump in and say something then phil I was, yeah. Um, it's two points to the kind of the point that you made, Tim. Um, one on the World Cup final because I I use that World Cup final as a reference point. When I saw it, so there was 105 kicks in this game yesterday, and I thought, oh, um, South Africa kicked quite a lot in that World Cup final. I wonder how many kicks out of hand there were in that World Cup final. So, do you want to have a guess? If there was 105 yesterday, how does that compare? I would say three, the, three, quarter, the 32, three quarters as many. So I'll go 76, let's say. JB? I have no idea. I, my memory of the World Cup is relatively fluid. So 50? There were, there were 43. Wow. <laughs> so wow. 40, 40% of the number of kicks. Wow. So, yeah. so that, that yesterday there was a lot of kicking. Yeah. So that, that, that's one point. And the, the other thing you, you kind of said, Tim, uh, Saracens were kind of struggling to know what to do. And um, Faz, in his post-match interview, he was kind of like, he said something very similar, which was they, they wanted to get their, their teeth stuck into Leicester. And particularly if Leicester, uh, so Saracens wanted to defensively get stuck into Leicester when Leicester played the ball. And Leicester never allowed Saracens to get their teeth stuck into anything because they almost never played the ball. And it's not quite true that they never played the ball, but... Have you got, tackle, just, have you got tackle stats there, Phil? We've got a number of tackles made. 
Yeah. So, well, so, so there were 200 runs, uh, just over 200 runs, which is not that not that unusual. It's a little bit low, but not that unusual. Tackles was, uh, yeah, it's going to be relatively similar, um, but 244 tackles. In total in the game. Yeah, so so we know that there has been games in the past. It like a high tackle count for a team is when it gets to about two hundred. So neither team would be much over a hundred, if at all. Mm. Yeah, one one twenty. Both both were um, one two three and one two one. The, the tackles, tackles that there were were brutal, so physical. Yeah, wasn't it? The intensity was off the chart. Yeah. Uh, so just on the Faz full time chat. I thought he nailed it. I thought yeah. his analysis of the game was spot on. And I think what he meant by get, getting his teeth into them. You see, I'm trying to think of the very, the very famous example of Saracens defending something like 16 phases on the halfway line as if it was the try line and just absolutely demoralising somebody. I can't remember who it was. They did that against Claremont um, in what? one of the... I think it was a semi-final. Yeah, it could well have been. Six years ago, something like that, where they... they crushed Claremont entirely by their own defence and they just forced errors every single time. Yeah, so against Harlequins, they had a phase of the game which I thought was instrumental. I thought, actually thought they had the same phase of the game about 60 minutes into this final, but it turns out it wasn't the case. Against Harlequins, they made a stand on basically their own five metre and then own try line. Now that's not optimum for Saracens. I'd rather be doing that on the halfway. But as soon as they win that battle, you just see how it all lifts. And Ben Earl is a classic example of this. He's so annoying um, because he's always celebrating. He's always, always celebrating. And you see, when they win these battles, these attritional battles, that's what sets Saracens off. That's what they feed off. So going back to the kicking, I don't know if you've ever seen, if you've ever seen these videos, but there's a video of Dave Rennie um, coaching some guys in America. It's some brilliant videos of... You know, some drills that he does. And he says at the Chiefs, when he was coaching there, we can have two cracks from anywhere on the field. If we get over the game line twice, we'll carry on. If we get beaten, if we go backwards twice, we just kick it. And it just shows that was the right option because Leicester could have run into Saracens all day long. But as soon as you start losing the contact area, which you will against Saracens inevitably, just kick it. Just kick it and then you know play for the territory and do all those bits and pieces. I thought they had the perfect strategy. I'm just amazed that they were so disciplined to pull it off for so long. It was a, it's, it's, a, it's pressure, isn't it? It, it? It's what Exeter did when Rob Baxter always talks about making people get hit the deck, get up off the floor again, mm. and they just apply pressure. And when you squeeze that pressure through territory, through physicality, for a long enough period of time, you force mistakes, you force penalties, you force... Uh, you've, you you make people do that amount of defensive work, which saps the saps the legs, and it, Leicester did that to Saracens, which is what Saracens mm. have always done to other teams. It was it was phenomenal, and I, I agree with you. I, actually, when you when you look at the team one to twenty three, just on paper, uh, use a Love Island. Uh, oh yes, please cliche, go for on, it. on paper. Um, when you do that, you you think well, Saracens have got the the better characters, but Leicester are. I mean, and this is saying something when you're coming up against Saracens because there's very few more better drilled, more cohesive, more together groups of men. But some that that's where Leicester won it. Yeah, I think Leicester have got a lovely mix, haven't they? Because they've got all of these young kids who are cheap, and then they've got the older boys who are probably also very very cheap because because they're older. 
but they seem to have a, a lovely mix in that squad of enthu- of enthusiasm, uh, of the old head, the experience. They, they seem to have built that team very, very smartly. Horrible pack. And, and, and to both of those points, the to get that kind of cohesion and to have that lovely balance of team in such, such a short space of time from yeah. being absolutely dreadful and, and should should have been uh, relegated uh, not once but twice. They should have been relegated they really so should for have both been. to come in and um, build that in sh- such a short space of time is incredibly impressive because that Saracens team has have had cohesion for 10 plus. How, how long has McCall been Yeah, a long, now? long time. 10, oh, 12 years. By the way, I, I agree with you. Owen Farrell nailed it in his post-match chat and, and Mark McCall is just... I don't think he gets anywhere near the credit he deserves. He doesn't want it though, does he? He doesn't want the credit. It's, like, no. it's by design. It's like he doesn't get the credit because he does not seek it in any way, shape, or form. <laughs> but that's what makes it. What's that? Um, like uh, I can't remember where that that quote comes from. But basically, the a prerequisite for a position of power should be not not wanting it, not what not seeking it. Yeah, like the like the prerequisite for taking um, like the scouts camping should be exactly the same thing. You do, <laughs> like the first person to put his hand up should say, "No, you definitely can't do it." <laughs> <laughs> no. Uh, um, yeah, it, yeah. That's it's an interesting point that because looking at the names that Leicester have brought in uh, twelve months ago, these guys would be what solid Premiership names. Like if you watch the Premiership week in and week out, you might know Porter, you might know Potter, uh, Stewart. Probably. We're talking was, about they got them from like. Australia and yeah, but like, they, were, they weren't exactly big names in Australia. No, were they? they weren't. That's exactly not at all. Yeah, it was Richard Wilkes as as. I mean, he's now on the board, isn't he? That's how good a job Richard Wilkes did. Richard as Wilkes. The, as we're, the, gonna, we're actually going to name him now. Well, yeah, that's <laughs> that, that's how good a job Richard Wilkes did. Well, we talked about Nick Kennedy yeah. doing this, doing the recruitment for Saracens brilliantly. That's how good a job Richard Wilkes has done recruitment wise. He was the one that brought in Potter and Porter and all these guys, and he's now got a, play, a spot on the Leicester board. So I think that tells you everything. Well, yeah, quite, quite. Uh, I mean, the, not to go too in-depth in, too in of, you know, what has gone on at Leicester. I mean, the... A lot of Monday morning meetings. Yeah, there's a lot of Monday morning meetings. <laughs> there was a lot of influence there to bring in other guys, like Sinfield. I mean, Sinfield has no pedigree in rugby union whatsoever. So, yeah, you, you're right. The recruitment's been it's been uh, pretty good. I, I think... What's, sorry, what, just on Sinfield, what's great about him is... Much in the way that Alex Sanderson or, um, or all, all these guys, kind of guys at Saracens over the years, and Kelly Brown now, and all the rest of it, they fill the gaps that, that Mark McCall quite happily leaves back. Like he's he doesn't have bravado; he's quite doesn't want any of the limelight. Steve Borthwick, very serious, very details driven, and Kevin Simfield's got that sort of human. Yeah, do you remember so meeting Kevin? Soft, softer skills. Do you remember yeah, meeting lo- Kevin uh, you, Sinfield at Canterbury? You can't not love him. <laughs> mm. He's a very different character. Like, so we met him at Canterbury, and we had these stupid questions lined up for, for them, didn't we? Like, yeah, what was it like you've got to like slate your old team or something? Or yeah. no, what's slate your old team? It was build up someone else's team. I can't, I can't remember. Yeah, and d- some, defend the indefensible. Defend the it, indefensible. Or... Yeah, yeah. So you give them topics. And some of them, some of them are like, oh, I'm not sure. You can't record that. Big Kev, straight into it, no yep. problems whatsoever. Absolutely. I can't remember like who he slammed, but he was completely different. And then you see him uh, giving interviews. I mean, we know what kind of character he is, but he's very straight down the line. But you must get a mixture of everything when when uh, when you're working with. Well, him. you wouldn't want to let him down, would you? Like, if he was your defensive coach, you wouldn't want to be in a Monday morning. It'd be like you know, if the last thing you would want is 
is Kev to go. I'm not. I'm not upset. I'm not angry. I'm disappointed. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> true. Uh, I I don't know why. The silly about Steve Borthwick's reaction to the drop goal, which, which moved me inside. Yeah. And I don't know what it is because there's no hi- histrionics. There's no screaming or shouting. There's just I, I can't. I can't even describe what I was watching. Really, it, it wasn't. Wasn't he just? To me, it was. He was just focused on next job, boys. Next job. No. I, <laughs> Back. I, I, I know what JB means. He 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 dropped his head. He had his he had his hands in almost like a prayer position, just sort of fingers crossed by his mouth. And when the when the drop goal went over, his forehead his his hands his head dropped so that his forehead was just on his hands. And then he just put his head up for a second and just did the biggest like. <sighs> yeah, do you know? And this, you're right. It was you can't really describe it, but there was it was something so human in yeah. it, wasn't it? It was because, really powerful. I agree. Because again, he's a just he's a colossus of a man in 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 every sense of the word. So it's very strange because he doesn't give emotion really when no. he inter- when he interviews. He's very serious. The only way I could describe it, and I'm not trying to be humorous here, but the only way I could describe it is a man who knows he's innocent being found innocent by a court. You're right. It's like a relief. Yes. <laughs> it was just amazing. It was just absolutely amazing. <laughs> it was a lovely moment. Yeah. Oh, now I've got a question for you. When is the best time to win the starting fly starting fly half job? When is the worst time to realise you spend uh, a million pounds on someone who's going to sit on the bench. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You might need to be retracting those words about uh, Richard Wilkes when uh, <laughs> Andre Pollard sit, sit, sits on the bench. Mm. Well, uh, he, he was sitting on the bench this weekend. And came on, came on with less than two and a half minutes to go. Well, the, there's Japanese. Apparently, well, apparently, there's teams in Japan that that are going to offer Freddie Burns a contract again. So he, Bloody he, right they are. Well, yeah. tell you what, if I'm Freddie Burns, I'm going to be knocking on some, somebody's door on Monday morning talking about my uh, pay packet. We're on 100%. <laughs> um, maybe, I, maybe a few days after Monday when he's sobered up. No, do it when you're absolutely, absolutely leathered over <laughs> well, text message. But the thing is, we uh, I will always remember the interview I did with Dave Atwood after Bristol won the Challenge Cup final. And... We've had Ed Slater on this podcast saying he would take a big pay cut if it was if he was guaranteed that he would win a title. They're so rare and so special that Fre- Freddie Burns has now got Premiership title, and yeah. that is you know twenty thirty years time. You can take the next year, you can take the last year's money or the next year's money, and and you know add a add a thirty forty fifty hundred grand even to it. But you know what? It's, it's that whole knowing the price of everything and the value of nothing. Yeah. Yeah, you're hundred percent right there. Uh, I don't want to hark on about saying. And Anthony said. Anthony Watson knows that because I bet you he's on way less than. <laughs> Anthony Watson knows that because the salary cap's tightened up and he's realised no, that nobody wants him. Yeah, but I bet you he's gone to a team. He's coming towards the end of his career. He wants to be at a good side to get into the England squad, but also play, when you get towards the end of your career, like I've, I've I've earned all this money. I've won nothing. Yeah, and ironically for Anthony Watson, people went to Bath to win stuff. You know, people yep. were always going to... I mean, I'm not saying Bath have always spent up to the salary cap, but I'm sure people would go there for a slight pay cut to be around the likes of Anthony Watson and Kyle Eastman and George Ford back in the day, Carl Ferns, of course. You know, that's what they would do. Yeah, it's mad. Well, it's absolutely mad. Well, for, for the longest time, they've had um, the... 
one of the best, if not the best, squads on paper in terms of the names who are there, even though they've been um, they've performed below the level of the sum of their parts. And by the way, on George Ford, right? Obviously, he's on he's on to sale this year. I don't think George Ford thought he'd ever win a title with Leicester. If you asked him that twelve months ago, I don't think you know. I think one of the reasons he's thinking. Let's go to sale. All South Africans, dynamic head coach. I think by the time he came round to realizing, yeah, Leicester actually is the real deal here. His heart had already been um, sold the dream of moving back up north and playing for Sanderson. Well, with, and with, the, with, with the talent he's got, I I wouldn't have been surprised. You know, Mate, if, if when he's retired and stuff in the years to come, I wouldn't be when memoirs are written. I wouldn't be surprised if George Ford was desperately trying to get out of Leicester. When, when they're in the bad in the bad times, I would not be surprised if he said something along the lines of "I don't want to waste my time." And uh, who was, was Matt, Matt O'Connor? Matt O'Connor. Yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if that uh, you know passed his lips, and I wouldn't blame him either. No. But yeah, it's just it's just incredible. And I wonder if we're going to see more of this sort of stuff in the Premiership when teams start to take their recruitment really seriously. They get they get experts in. They realise that the best place to spend your money is on your head coach and your coaching talent because you can't spend it on your playing staff. You've only got a certain amount to spend. You need to target older players, in my mind, and I'll talk a bit more about that later. Um, I wonder if you'll see more uh, Leicester Tigers-type teams. Uh, I suspect that we will, and more uh, more stories like that. Yeah, We will, um, in the off-field pod, we will touch in some depth on the salary cap report the first one to be published yes. followed lord miners report yes. two years ago or 18 months ago uh, peter yeah, shaw but... has emailed um one of our american listeners uh, contact chases at gmail.com he said uh he, he's been on the move and working a lot sadly nowhere mlr team in sight where he is in wisconsin a land of beer cheese and the great outdoors that being mm. said he's still kept up with the rugby and the pod uh, a riveting premiership final even though I would love to have seen his mercurial Northampton Saints in the final. It was, it was a spectacle. His, imp- his impressions uh, gutted for George Ford to be taken off. But what a replacement and, and what a drop goal to win it all. Yeah, that was so poetic, that, that finale, wasn't mm. it? I do, lo- I do love Freddie Burns. Yeah, who doesn't? Everyone I, does. Sorry, just to hop back to something I've said before. I'm certain that he is Leicester's starting fly off. Certain, and I'm certain that Pollard is going to play 12. It just fits too well. Uh, it, uh, interesting point made here as well. Billy Vanapola played his best match in years and should have been man of the match. I agree with that. Totally he was agree. monumental. Yeah. And Alex Donbrandt injury, uh, we'll talk about uh, England squads and stuff in a bit, but um, he put his hand up. Yeah, let's just talk about some of the performance of the players because we've not really spoke about no. anyone. Well, well, Billy Vanapola made more carries in the game than the entire Leicester pack combined. No. Yep. That's astonishing. <laughs> He he also ran for a hundred meters. He made the most meters ball in hand, and he he made um, nearly thirty percent of um, of Saracens meters with ball in hand on his own. Yeah, uh, his step on the eight pickup as, as well, not moving fast, but moving very effectively. Yeah, that, he's... that step step and then go was amazing. Yeah, there's so many areas that I thought Saracens would have beaten Leicester. I thought. They'd have been much better with their attacking line out. I thought bringing in a Zikwe and then pairing up with McFarland and a Toji. I just don't, I couldn't Swin- see that. Swinners would have, would have brought it home, wouldn't he, mate? Oh, Swinners would have brought it home, to be fair. <laughs> uh, just on this. The, the, by, the, by the way, Swinners, the man, 
What what a massive tantrum! Doesn't get picked for final and retires. It's pathetic. <laughs> <laughs> uh, just I've got to say this little anecdote in Peter Shaw's email before he's done. He says, "Speaking of Billy, um, I've got a, a story I heard recently. After I moved to Milwaukee, I hooked up with the local rugby club, the Barbarians, mm-hmm. and they've been playing a bit with their old boys. Good lad, uh, great guys. So one of them is Tongan and grew up mostly in England, and his friends with the Vunapolas. Oh, he was invited to the christening of one of the Vunapolas children recently in England at the christening." Billy's mother, who is a minister in the church in England for the Tongans and was doing the ceremony publicly <laughs> at a christening in front of all their friends and family, publicly berated him and Mako for not being in good form. <laughs> <laughs> she told them both, if you don't start playing better, Eddie is never going to pick you again. Um, <laughs> love these tough mums. It sounds like they listened anyway. Yeah. Well, yeah, something's going right there. Uh, he says, mm. uh, wish, wish me good luck at the lakefront sevens downtown in Milwaukee, right on Lake Michigan. That's oh, awesome. that sounds so good. Doesn't Can we enter our egg chasers team there? Uh, <laughs> I'm playing in the old boy hippos division and I haven't played sevens in a long time. Uh, let the boys play and cheers. Oh, good luck with that, Pete. Yes, indeed. Best of luck. And that is a tournament I would like to compete in. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. So, Leicester. Let's talk about the actual players. Who do you think had a good game? Who do you think had a bad game? Let's dissect this a little bit more. Jasper Visa, as he always does. Mm-hmm. Uh, I actually he, thought he was quiet. Oh, no, he's just oh, horrible. I know he got man so horrible. I know he got man of the match, but I, you know, against Northampton, he was everywhere. And maybe he just played so well that game. That's what I'm comparing him to. But he just carried and carried and carried and carried. Por- and, Porter and Visa, which is so hard. Por- yeah, Porter did very very well. Uh, I keep wanting to call him Liebenhang, Liebenberg, Liebenberg uh, because of the old Stade Francais centre. Uh, he he was monumental. Uh, in fact, both you know, if you're talking about hard carries, both the tries came from there. Exactly that hard carries. I thought Oli Chesham looked good. I I, I think they're going to see a lot more from him. He's so naturally strong in the ball carry, but he doesn't seem to carry enough. Mind you, am I saying that because they kicked so much? Maybe that's maybe that's why I'm saying it. Mm. Maybe last week they were all carrying a lot more because there was there was a lot less kicking. But it felt like they could do more. I tell you the other guy as well, who I think is going to go up an extra level. And it sounds ridiculous because he's already playing for England, but Freddie Stewart. I think Freddie Stewart's attacking running game is really a lot better than people give it credit for. I, I tend to agree with that. And the, the break down the right-hand side, which was one of the, the few breaks in the first half down the right-hand side, where he breaks and then gets kind of tackled and offloads to Ashton that was so close to being a try. Yeah. If it wasn't for the amazing um, Saracen scramble defence, that would have been an Ashton try. That was awesome. I mean, he is he's big, he's rangy. That range allows him to, to offload. He's just a bit more awkward to tackle. Uh I've, I made the comparison before. Israel Falau comes to mind. He's a similar sort mm-hmm. of height. I think Israel Falau is probably better in every single area. But the fact that you're even comparing him to Israel Falau, it just shows, it shows he's a bloody good player. <laughs> bloody good player. I, I thought when um, Dan Kelly was injured and out, I thought, oh, well, that's that's a bit of steel missing. Mm. But uh, yeah, uh, just just to just to say again, Guy Porter was just monstrous. Mm. Yeah, I, I, I think a beast of a defender. Yeah, I th- I think that um, I I probably agree with you, Jay. That um, Visa was a bit lucky to get man of the match. Yeah, he, he worked hard. He carried very hard, but he 
did by his standards have a quiet game, which is not surprising because that Saracen defence is pretty handy. I, I probably would have given it to... It could have been Stewart. It could have been Liebenberg. It could have been Freddie Burns. It should have been Freddie Burns. Well, no, actually. You know, that is the big showy thing, isn't it? To w- Wigglesworth? Wigglesworth is that shout for him? I tell you what, I thought Young was really yeah. good when he came on. That That's a great shout. Chesson was brilliant as well. Yeah, Chesson is ace. He was the best second row in the park. At times, at times, like when you're on the same park as Mario Toji, uh, look at him as sort of the benchmark of what hard work and... I mean, the amount of interventions Mario has. I don't actually think Mario carries as hard as Oli Chesham. Oli Chesham carries bloody hard. Just needs more frequency. More frequency. But yeah, that that would be a tiny criticism for a man who's now a Premiership champion. Just Montoya was ace. That, that That's another one. Montoya. 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 Whichever. whichever. <laughs> uh, just, just flipping for a second to... Uh, where is it? Where's the email? Where's the email? Oh, yeah. Uh, email from Carl. Contact headchases at gmail.com, remember. Thank you for all these. They're brilliant ones this week. Uh, he says, um, a quick question before the result uh, in the final today. So he sent this before the match. What have you made of the way the media have portrayed Saracens in the build-up to this final? Ed- every headline I've seen has been what a journey they've been on, how well they've done to stay together and coming back to reclaim um, well, potential glory. Have the media already forgotten the reason they were relegated? This was a sentiment that a lot... And I only say this wrong because what Carl's written to us there is what I I agree with him. I've seen a lot of people saying that in reaction to the media portrayal. Now, yeah. Now, the only people I kind of let get away with slandering Saracens are Exeter fans uh, and Harlequins fans because they're rivals. I kind of get it. Look, you're doing what you're meant to do. I don't think it's really fair, though. They're, you know... They've done their time. They've done their punishment. The boys stayed together. They came back. I know that certain people inside professional rugby think that the hangover from the salary cap cheating is still in effect. So whatever those boys were given or whatever was done at the start of their careers at Saracens kind of still holds water with them. That's why they're still there. So they might have an advantage over everyone else still. Like, you know, like I said, sort of like hangover. But they have done the time. They've done the time in, in the championship. They're back. Uh, I admire them for it. I what? really admire them for sticking with every, sticking with everybody. Uh, I admire the boys for wanting to play in the championship, c- come back up. I, I can't really say anything too bad about Saracens, to they, be honest. They put their England futures on the line for it, and it, it, I think this comes back to guys like Mark McCall again. But I think it says a lot about those people. If, if what happened at Saracens had, hap- had happened at most, the majority, if not all, <sighs> all other clubs, that team would have been decimated and... Two things can be true at once. It can be wrong that they, what they did, and they went down and they got relegated, for goodness sake. Mm. Um, they played a season of empty rugby. Yeah, Leicester should have been relegated, and they didn't because Saracens went down. So Leicester fans are the, the last ones that should be complaining about it. Mm. Uh, anyway, so they did that. But I still think, that whilst all that is true, it's also true that it is unbelievable that that whole squad stayed together. Yeah, it kind of confirms my idea that Instead of relegation, we should have a naughty step because clearly you can go away from Premiership for a year, come back and be competitive. And it's over COVID. Like, they didn't even know if they were going to be playing Championship rugby. They had no idea. I think they had an abbreviated season anyway. Uh, there's a lot to admire from Saracens. And I think if you take the um, 
attitude that, oh, they're still just cheats or whatnot. You're failing to learn from what they've done. And that's probably says more about you than anyone else because you don't want to learn about what this incredible team has done or, um, you know, value them for that. And that's exactly how we should look at Saracens. So I agree with all of that. And I, I think it's a, I, I do look at it as a remarkable story. I think it is also important to just recognise that, which which I think most most um, coverage I've seen does recognise that they were relegated for a reason. Yeah, <laughs> they were they were in the wrong. They were relegated. They paid the, the penalty, and then they have moved on. And this is now the redemption. Well, we we had but, the two salary cap cheats in the final, didn't we? Yes, we did. We did. Well, it makes we you did. wonder, maybe. Maybe the plan was to lose it so they didn't have to go through the through the open book process at the, uh, <laughs> at the end of winning it. I mean, there was there were scales, obviously, but uh, if we want to just sort of acknowledge things in the past, let's acknowledge the fact Leicester should have been relegated in any any, any normal year would have been, mm. and in years where it wasn't ring fence, they would have been, and also um, they uh, they did cheat. Yeah. Well, Whether it was deliberate or not, it was only the 300k well, they got fined, didn't they? Well, just think about this. And this is versus not, five million that Saracens got fined. This is not a knock. I'm gonna I'm gonna pick Sale at random, okay? And we all know how I feel about Sale. Uh, completely neutral on, on the on the whole topic. Of course. Now Sale are built for one thing, and that is to be successful in the in the Premiership. If they got relegated, those players wouldn't stay there, and nor should they, because they're professional athletes. They need to go. And, and win championships and be selected for South Africa or England or do whatever they need to, need to do, particularly the South African the South African contingent. Maybe some, some of the academy boys stay. The fact that so many of the senior England, England lads stayed at Saracens. And the ones to go that, and play Amped Hill. Yeah, and the ones that wanted to go, they were allowed to go. They were allowed to go on loan to Bristol, if that made sense, or you know, follow their dreams of European glory like Skelton did. They, they could go and they decided not to. I think that's pretty pretty impressive agreed mm. yeah agreed with that and and it's it is interesting that um some of the guys who went um but came back so guys like ben earl max mallins nick, nick Tompkins, went due to um preserving and or pushing for their international career and were successful in doing so mm-hmm. as in their, their standing now is higher than it was two years ago when they left Saracens on loan. Yeah. Yeah, Ben Earl um, did not have a good game. I'm going to put, put, put that one out there. Anyone think ben, ben Earl had a good game? Quiet game. Quiet. Yeah. Well, I, I, there was, it was, it was, about, it, was about, it was about half an hour in when I, when I was thinking, I don't remember a game where there hasn't been a, a turnover on the deck, like a jackal turnover. There, there wasn't a single one. And then, yeah. and then there was a, a, run, a run of the Montoya and Rafael and, Rafael mm. made a couple of great ones. I'm not necessarily sure. I feel a bit unfair saying that about Earl now. I think both teams looked after their ruck incredibly well. I think that's probably more to do with it. But again, we didn't see the dynamic carries from him that we saw against Harlequins, which is a shame. Yeah, there, there mm. was there was an amazing period where that period in the second half, I think it was around 60 minutes, when Leicester were banging on the door, and you thought. If they breach the line here and score, it's over. over it's yeah. done. And Saracen somehow again and again managed to repel it and then got themselves into that position. Andy Christie made that break. Wayne Barnes got in the way of Billy Vanapolo when they were five metres away from the line. And then they ended up taking the three points from a penalty to tie things up at 12 all. It was, oh, it was just awesome. Do you know, you know I, my, I was sat next to Phil and I was 
I said, if for whatever reason Tigers do not get a try now, I think they've probably have probably lost this. Uh, if Saracens turn it over, they've lost. Uh, sorry, if if Saracens, if Tigers win. If Tigers score, they win. Tigers do not score anything, they lose. The only way this stays competitive is Tigers three points because I just felt there's more to come from Saracens. I was amazed that Saracens didn't go over for a try, actually. Do, do when, you like, uh, on the Christie break. Yeah. Uh, no, agreed. Do, do, I like the fact that we've talked about the game, we've celebrated all the great things, talked about players and stuff, and we haven't mentioned the, the, the two incidents which people were losing their minds over. Which I don't mind, and I like, and I'm, I'm just—I'm going to say we don't really need to discuss it because both both yellow cards were equivalent to each other, and it was consistent within the game, and it's been consistent over the last few weeks. And they were—they were given yellows, not reds. So, crack on. Yeah, there's a sort of um, standard now, which um, I quite like. Now it's a little bit, you know, it's a little bit more uh, what's the word for it? Woolly compared to the old standard. Where you know everything was red, I'm not sure it's in their best interest of uh, player welfare, but I do prefer it as a spectacle. I, I think keeping players on the field is better. I think if they're going to change behaviour, the change the change of behaviour has already occurred. I don't think it's their badly coached or bad technique. I just think it's a very very hard game to play. Uh, that said, um, the what? Let me try. So oh, Alad Davis, Davis. I mean, he was lucky. Bloody yeah, that, that was as we talked about before, yeah. as we talked about many times. It, it's bogged me down the years. Faftaclerk, uh, the Faftaclerk clause where Faftaclerk has got a free reign to go and clothesline any forward he wants because he's small and the forward's big. And then the ref has to applaud him and say he's really plucky. Great. <laughs> yeah. um, what was the other one? The other one felt like it was very lucky. Uh, was it Porter? Phil would know this. No, it was... Uh, it was on Billy. It was and I fi- it was Potter. Potter, that's the one. I thought that was also a very, very lucky one. Yeah. Agreed. We- <laughs> Great question. Um I thought in the context of last week, they were consistent. They're not consistent with the context of the season. Um and the inconsistency is um shown when you watch the um, Will Skelton red card today. Um, now, although, although that was much more brutal and uh, no no rap on a man who didn't have the ball in what was effectively an exhibition game. Which yeah yeah there, there is all of that, but um, I guess it comes back to this interpretation that seems to be set by Luke Pierce and has been used with Fafter Clerk and others in the past, um, where the degree of danger needs to be judged in the context of the size of the man. So Will Skelton, who is enormous, will him going in full with, with a similar amount of relative force, Will Skelton to Alan Davis, the, uh, the danger is greater for Will Skelton doing it. And that is how it was adjudged. So the coaching point is have lots of players as we talked before if it's you can in, you can get red cards against your opponents by having players that are very short with enormous heads yep and mm. making sure your players are also extremely small and then they can smash people as much as they want great exactly great coaching yes points. yeah excellent <laughs> brilliant everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems but getting therapy has its own problems too 
like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp H-E-L-P. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. <laughs> so was everyone happy with the event? Oh, a big shout out to BT Sport, by the way. I thought the coverage was absolutely spot on, except for one missing member. I, I think it would have mm. been uh, uh, that's fine. inordinately better had you been, been there, Tim. But, you know. I got, I got, a, I got, a, mention, gonna... I got a mention at the end by Doyler. I was happy with that. But how good did they look? Exactly. Do you know? It like, makes... I, 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 I'm sorry. The, I, I'm completely biased here. And... Uh, I, I agree with you. I thought BT's coverage was, and I flicked between the two when I could, and I've watched uh, bits and bobs of both. I thought it was absolutely peerless. Yeah, uh, do you know, it does make, uh, I know I'm, this is my little thing, and I know I'm biased on this, but when everyone's treating it like the biggest game in the world, and everyone's got their ties on and stuff, it does make, when when the broadcast team look like they really care, it does make you care more. Who do you think looked mm. best? Oh, that's a great question. I thought Ugo's jacket was outstanding. It was great. Um, I thought Doyler really... I mean, the thing is, Doyler and... He had uh, trainers on and he looked great. Yeah, Doyler and Ugo are very much um, you know, focused at the same demographic. You know, Kind of cool, kind of trendy. I thought I thought Nick looked the best. I, I loved his I loved his tie jacket. Combo. Yeah, the red the red yellow tie. Is that Perfect. like an MC, like an MCC tie? I, yeah, there's a certain element of um, grace and style with that whole look. I, I, I thought I thought uh, Lawrence and Ben looked looked outstanding. Lawrence Lawrence really Lowell you know, looked great. Yeah, because he really toned it down. It, it's just a, a, yeah, a it's just a suit. Yeah. And you know he he lets he lets his presence do the talking. Oh, that's so true, JB. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, and what what I quite like about I don't, I don't know if I should say this anyway no it's just an observation uh, <laughs> Martin Bayfield uh, is going to please a certain demographic as well his his trousers are incredibly tight right. <laughs> can I say something about Bayfield right so I, lo- I loved it I loved his get up uh, as well me and Phil have got a really good friend of ours and you you'll know him um, very very tall man okay and yeah. we keep saying to, saying to him like why don't you just buy yourself a jacket and, you know, look a bit smarter? And he goes, I can't, I'm too tall. And we've actually had to, over beer, pull up pictures of Martin Bayfield wearing jackets to prove <laughs> you can be a big man and wear nice jackets and look great. You don't have to wear, like, a, an NFL lineman <laughs> suit. Don't man. look like this with 12 buttons, look like this. It's dead easy. It's like a normal jacket, but bigger. Um, I, I agree with everything you said. I, I think... Um... Ugo's Ugo's jacket was incredible. Only Ugo could pull it off. Yeah. Um, I thought um Lawrence Delado was probably it's probably the closest to what I'd wear. I thought it was I thought it was great, his look. Um and I thought Sarah looked um impeccable as well. Yeah. As oh, with a tie. Does. Yeah, it's great. She had a tie on. She had a tie on. She did have a tie on, yes. Makes all tie in a jacket. Makes all the difference. Yeah. And I love I love the the way they do the final where they, they just 
they bounce around to different bits of the stadium. So-and-so's there. I'm out front here. I'm here. And it's, it's, I just love it. I love the finals day BT Sport coverage. I did, I did have one small criticism. Uh, it wasn't so much of the coverage, but maybe of the event itself. Sophie Alice Baxter. Nothing wrong with her. I'm sure she... I just don't know if that is for the replica-wearing rugby fan, uh, Sophie Alice Baxter, singing out the back of a lorry. Mm. Like surely a guitar band of some some description well, the, would well, be Well, the better. feeling were there as well. I think who are that's like Sophie Ellis is married to the main man in the feeling. I think that would make more sense. But so they were there too. I mean, it's not a Super Bowl halftime show, is it? But it's a good effort. It is a good effort. It is. I mean, yeah, it's better than scouting for girls at the final of the Super League. Just a bit better, a little <laughs> bit maybe. <laughs> oh, do you know what me and Phil watched after the rugby? Uh, just uh, we're having a few beers. Stereophonics. Oh, I watched a bit of Stereophonics as well. It's like they make so much money, don't they? Out their Welsh heritage, they could yeah. not. We, we were discussing like where else could they sell out a stadium? Like if they came over to Liverpool, are they selling out a stadium? Nope. Uh, I think they're an arena band. They're not. They're not like no, no, not a stadium. Not, they, they could play they, like Manchester Arena, fifteen thousand, but not. The, no, hmm. no, no, no. They it was incredible. And they, and they do. They they did headline a festival that I was at a few years ago, but. No, even then, it wasn't. It was nothing like that. You're yeah. right. You're right. Because I think they're so they're so linked to the rugby. When you go to Cardiff, it's all stereophonics during March Day. Or oh, it used yeah, to be. Yeah, well, um, yeah. When Phil and I went there uh, for Wales Island, there was a band on outside the ground, and basically every other song was a stereophonics song. Not underneath the, not where Cardiff Blues are. The Cardiff yes. Blues, it's brilliant there. Mm. Yeah, it's great. Yeah, I was, I was talking about that last night. That was one of my favourite places to drink in my twenties. Going to watch Wales. Loved it. Yeah, it was good, good fun. Very good fun going to match day in Wales in well, Cardiff. Yeah. Well, I guess if Stereophonics were playing the Millennium Stadium, they weren't available to play the car park in Twickenham on the back of the bus. <laughs> the Principality. Yeah. Um, yeah, anyway, I, I, I'm, I'm going to segue us to some other games. We haven't even talked mm. about like Freddie Burns and stuff. I bet his Instagram still he's like... Do you know Freddie broadcasting Burns? Live. I, I, do, I do love the fact that in his ITV interview, he said, uh, and I'm just... It was ITV4, unfortunately, not ITV. I would love mm. this to have gone out on ITV1 at like, tea time on a Saturday evening. I'm gagging for a beer. I can't wait to get on the bus with the boys and have three days on the source. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they were very militant, the rugby players, this week about telling us that they're going for a beer. Very militant. Yeah, maybe, maybe we should mention that in the off-field pod. Yes, quite. Yes, but to, just to segue us um, from Freddie Burns' drop goal to the other games and other stuff going on, Jack Armstrong has emailed. He says, love the pod, blah, blah, blah. What odds would you have got on a drop goal being scored in the Prem final, URC final, and Super Rugby final? After a barren few years, are we seeing the return of the drop goal, possibly as a result of the law changes making extended pick-and-go phase play in the 22 less feasible? I'm not sure it ever went away, did it? I mean, we do have these rashes of them. They do seem to come and go in you know, certain stretches of games and just people forget about them. Well, it's habit more than anything else. Well, the stakes are such that uh, in finals that um, three points to win a match mm. or three points is a, is magnified to such a level that it really means something. So having a, having a shot at it. Mm. Quite often they were always used on free plays, weren't they? Yes. Like when you have penalty advantage. And then they said, no, you can't do that because you're kicking away the ball. But actually, I think they should bring that back because... If they miss it, yeah, fine, have a penalty. But if they get it, we don't need the rigmarole of stopping the game, putting the ball on the tee, yada, yada, yada. Right. Well, that's um, 
the Richie Mungo one was, I think it was the first point scoring in the game yeah. from a free play. He had penalty advantage and he went for the drop goal and slotted it. Oh, good lad. Mm. Now, I don't want to talk about Super Rugby. You can if you want. I just don't want to. Uh, yeah, I, I, maybe we should. No, that, that's not. Scott Robinson did some more breakdancing. Yeah. Yeah. I, I hope he carries on winning until the day he can no longer physically break How? Dance. How? <laughs> I didn't see his breakdancing this time. Was it? Is he? Is age starting to show? Well, he's moving well. You know, he's yeah, moving. Okay. He's not President yeah. Biden yet. Uh, he, <laughs> <laughs> I hope. I hope he just carries on winning. I want to see how long this can go for. It was one of those things. He did it once. It looked cool, but now it's more of a tradition. Mm. So I'm, I'm into it. If he does it once a year because he's won a trophy, more power to him. You're allowed to do it if, if you win trophies. You can do whatever you want if yeah. you win trophies. Neck beers, good break I, dance. I, I think there is a. I think there's a kind of wry smile on his face when he's doing it. I don't think he's taking himself 100% seriously. So it's very, yeah, I quite enjoy it. Yeah, I'm here for it. Did you see any of the, I know you didn't. Did you watch any of the URC? No, I don't have Premier Sport. Well, I got my £100 worth, uh, my £100 game. So uh, <laughs> as tradition dictates, I've got to watch the URC final because otherwise it's a complete waste of money. Uh, um, honestly, how can I say this? The, the good bits about the game. Um, Evan Ruse is a monstrous man. A monster, Watch out for him. I think he's going to make big waves around the world. I really do. That's one thing. The second thing is, it reminded me of when I was like 21, loving watching South African rugby. Number three, it was a really dreadful game. I mean, I am astonished. Thinking, I was thinking about, about this whilst I was making breakfast this morning. How those two teams beat... Ulster and Leinster is beyond me. Do you, do, you, do you agree with that, Phil? Yeah, this this was not the best game, the best quality game. Now, there's there's obviously got absolute mutants in the squad and um, um, amazing scrum and scrummages and and amazing physicality. But that was about it. Yeah, that that, that was that was. The, were, were they playing the, like it really meant something and like it was they were tense? No. It, well, it looked it looked like people were under pressure. Let's let's put it that way because there were so many errors, so mm. many basic errors, and some of the some of the passing in the wide channels was oh my god, unbelievable. At one point, I texted a fairly well renowned coach and said, uh, "I take it all back. Skills are necessary because <laughs> <laughs> like, uh, you just take it for granted." They were. All these passes were hitting static men, and they these were the centres. Uh, the, the lots of loose play. Some of the kicking was completely aimless. I'm trying to think of the really good... Uh, Evan Ruse's carries were exceptional. The first try was good. The first try. Mm. Um, was two it? minutes in... Yeah, two minutes into the game, you're like, right, here we go. Yeah, it was a great try. Uh, the hooker, whose name escapes me... What was his name? Uh, Kotzer. Kurtzia. Kurtzier. No, no, it's no. it's Him. not Kurtzier. Oh it's, right, yeah. It's um, it's, it's spelled K O K O T. Oh yes, 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 yes. Yeah. Well, he um, uh, no, never mind. Yeah, he offloaded. Uh, great try. Or he received an off- offload. Great try. After that, you tell me. I mean, you tell me. Full stadium. A, a very very busy stadium. Oh, cool. It yeah. wasn't full. It was the biggest attendance for the UF- URC this year. I mean. This was not a good game. Somehow I feel positive about it, though, because I like South African stadiums, which are full. I think 
if this drives South Africans so, so back to their stadiums. Do the Curry Cup then. Do the Curry Cup. I don't know. I, you know, there's this. You look at the Springbok team and you look at the strength of them. You look at the fact that only you know only South Africans were scoring tries this weekend in the Premiership final and the URC finals. Um, and now you think about South Africa doing TV deals ostensibly in either euros or pounds. I think it might not be the optimum solution for us. I think it could work out really well for South African rugby. Oh, I and think it can work out really well for South African rugby. I don't, I don't care. I personally, I don't. Well, they're going to be fine, whatever. No, Wh- they're wh- not. Whatever they, they are, they're not. They are. <laughs> no, they, what they won a World Cup without any of this. Well, they won a World Cup because people were babysitting their players overseas, which will st- which will still happen. Mm, you know, I kind of Japan and France will dictate that that will yeah. still happen. You've got to be careful with this because you can be a, a, a hypocrite, and as a well-known hypocrite, um, I do tend to go down this path. So. I would say the danger, like you know, if when Wales lose some players, it's okay. They can just nip back over the border and they can play for Wales. When South Africa lose all of their players and there's no domestic rugby to watch, that is a bit of a problem. So having the South African domestic teams actually... Well, they can have a curry cup, like I say, and there you go. Yeah, but like, how do you pay for that in Rand when there's euros and pounds and yen on the table and your currency is depreciating because you live in effectively a criminal mafia state? You know, it doesn't work too well. So well, I, I I just don't think the South African national rugby team is something uh, like fine. If you're concerned about the South Africa um, country, there's lots to worry about there. The South African national rugby team do not have a concern in the world. They do not need no, anything. No. Well, uh, yep. So if if that's if that's your motivation, I don't get it. Yeah, I, like if it was, we need to get Welsh regions more cash so they can. Yeah, weirdly, I don't ca- I don't care about that. Well, but that's the uh, that's the <laughs> yeah. that's the only thing so... that the URC having South African teams in is doing is getting more money for the non South African teams and the South African teams. Well, yeah, but, uh, th- but their national team's going to be amazing. Whatever happens. Yeah. Well, it's not that's not true though, is it? Because remember how bad well, they were. The world champions. Yeah. Do you remember how bad they were though? I mean, they were hilariously bad at one point. I mean, hysterically bad. Yeah, when Peter Villiers was there. Yeah, I mean, it was I mean, it was brilliant, actually. And they had all the talent in the world. They had something like, I'm sure someone reported something like 250 players at that time in Europe. In Europe. Like, they've got mm. more professional players than any than anywhere, any other country in the world. And yet their national team was just, just goes horrendous. Back to your, just goes back to your coaching point. Mm. Anyway. anyway, there was another point, part of this game which I quite liked. Uh, and the French semi-final brought this home, both of them. I have constructed a team of players, and the youngest is 32, who played this weekend. Anyone want to give a stab at some of the players on display? Wiggy. Wigglesworth, 39. Freddie Burns is 32. That's mm. probably... Oh, Chris Ashton. Chris Ashton. No, Mornay Steen's got a uh, fly half. Mornay Steen is not a fly half. Uh, he's a fullback in this, but he's 37. Chris Ashton, 34, 35. Chris Ashton is on the wing, 35. Uh, Bismarck. Bismarck, Duplessis, 38. Good lad. Dan Cole? Dan no. Cole, no, 32, didn't okay. make the list. Vadim Kobalash. Well done, Tim, 38. Yeah. Nice. So I'll give you some, you won't get some of these. So... Um, second youngest in, in in the team who would not qualify for North Dorset Sevens veterans would be Kane Douglas at 33. He'd be second row. <laughs> Brock Harris, who spent a lot of time at the Dragons and is now a URC champion, 37. Just so you know, Charlie Falmawina is 35. Wow. 
Duplass E, obviously 38. But don't forget um, ex French captain Guillaume uh, Gerardo. Gerardo, 35. A guy called um, Jacquette. I, I don't uh, What's his first name? Doesn't really matter, but he's a French second row player this weekend. 37. Pickamoles. Pickamoles, 36. Oh, King Louis. Um, Elstad. Ryan, 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 Hart, Ryan Elstad, Elstad is 32. Tranduke is 36. Erde oh, Pide- God, yeah, Tranduke. Yeah. Erde Padella. Erde Paletta. Erde Paletta, sorry. What do I call him? Erde yeah. P- what, whatever I call him. He's also 36. Uh, Cam Bezu is a sensor who played this weekend. 35. Cornell Hendricks played as well. And he yeah. he looked far older than the 34 years of age that he actually is. So only three guys in my old man's team are under 35. Now, the reason I bring this up, other than it's fun, is because this is the sharp end of the season. And there's some old boys not knocking about. I, I actually think this is... The Saints are reading to this, whether it be conditioning or how professionals look look, look after themselves... Maybe it's something to do with player welfare and how they're you know, maintaining these these older these older bodies for longer. It could be like the change. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe the change of lifestyle. They're not the hard drinking old school lads that they used to be. Or maybe the salary caps are just making teams really think about where they get value from. Uh, well, mm. I, I I think it's an interesting point. I I would actually say it was ever thus. And when you get to finals, real experience really matters. Yeah. And uh, and to go back to something that I bag on about all the time, the obsession that happened with football and the footballification of rugby means that rugby fans are desperate to get the kids in. When I we we have collectively, and certainly I've been banging the drum for Danny Care for years, and it's nice to see him back. It's actually respect the experience because it really matters. And yeah. the finals weekend has demonstrated that. Yeah, there's some, there are some positions, weirdly enough, where the age just seems to not be as much of a problem. Uh, in this case, it looked like fly halves. I mean, a lot of backup fly halves, admittedly. I mean, there's a lot of good young guys out, good young guys out there, like Tranduk, Erda Paletta. Well, sorry, Erda, yeah, Paletta, isn't it? Uh, Stain. It's just quite a lot of them. But Ashton's a fascinating example. Because he shouldn't exist. There's no way a 35-year-old should be, you know, dominating on the wing. But he looks as sharp as he's ever looked. So there's mm. definitely some he's... interesting stuff going on there. Yeah, I think a bit of it is the the conditioning and sports science um, that has has improved. And if you look at someone like Ashton, like his jawline now, if you, when he was playing for England age 24... He always had that bit of puppy fat yeah, he's around shredded him. now, isn't he? He's absolutely yeah. shredded. He's chiselled, yeah. There's not an ounce of fat on him. And oh. I have no doubt he's still put putting good numbers on his, his speed and strength. Yeah, I guess if you get to 30 and you're still playing or 31 or 32, that is the age you realise you've only got one career. And I guess you would get a little bit more serious. Well, also, that that's the age when you... You're just about to approach your prime if you're a prop forward. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In, in like, when would you say you? Because there's... Tra- traditionally, it was always the case that, like, I, I know there are always exceptions to this, but in general, it was always the case that if you were a back, you had to really be. If you were going to make it, you had to start making significant moves by the time you were in your late teens, mm. at a push, early twenties. But if you were a, if you were a front five forward 
actually 25, 26, yeah. no, no big deal if you're just establishing mm-hmm. yourself at that point. Do you think there's an element of rugby, though, that because of the complexities of the game and because you, know, you might know a lot of rugby players, but it's only people who play in your position that can give you really detailed information about what you're meant to be doing. So we could play together for the best part of a year, uh, sorry, the best part of a decade, right? You play prop forward, I play in the centres. We might have absolutely no understanding of, 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 what, of what each other do. We might have an idea of the game in general. Mm. And because of the complexities of the game, maybe you've got to play it for a longer time to, be, to become good. And that's when you become a Jimmy Gopeth. Well, yeah, there'll or... definitely be elements of that. I don't know what you think, Phil, but I would say that possibly why that's changed and why you get more guys like Bevan Rod and I suppose Ellis Genge came through younger and Carl Sinclair and the like. And those are just English examples, but there's lots of other young front five forwards now. Marutoji was another, mm. but I think the difference is that it always it much more the case when you and I, Phil, were all the three of us were sort of coming through is that the reason it was sort of more normal for front five forwards to be twenty five is because it takes years of that level of conditioning to get to a that elite level, and actually these lads are in the gym. Yeah, by the time they get through, they've been in the gym five six years, hitting some heavyweights. Yeah, I mean you obviously get the absolute young, uh, you know, the absolute stud. Evan Roos would be the, that example, the 24-year-old, just muscle everywhere. Uh, but yeah, it, it takes it takes some time to harden up. Uh, Phil? All that sort of stuff. I, I think it's, I find it interesting seeing the ages of, of people and that I think there is a link to the salary caps and the value piece because um, we'll, we'll go into the salary cap more detail in the off-field pod, but if you saw the... Um, the age profile, the salary cap age profile, um, where it was grouped together, there was a increase, increase, increase. So the younger you are, the less you're on. So 17 to 19, 50K-ish, early 20s, somewhere between 75 and 120K is the average salary. Then there's a big jump to when you're 26 to 28 in your prime, that is the highest average salary for players in the premiership. And then it tapers off after that. So, um, but it doesn't taper off. So players over 32 are still twice as much as players uh, 23 to 25. So there's there's a profile there. But the, those guys who are at the back end, while they, they will be earning slightly less than they were when they were in that kind of true peak, late 20s, they've got so much more experience. And there's a value piece there mm. that it it adds having that experience. What what it costs you in some respects, you you get a lot of value in others. So it, it's it's interesting to see um, Leicester being successful with a few key guys like that in their team. Yeah, yeah. I think I, I well, you know, football. Like I said get the kids in, but there's been some remarkable value from older signings. I mean, I it's cliche now, but you always think of the rather successful AC Milan teams from what, a decade ago and they were all old, right? really, really old. Well, and, and let's just jump to the other game because when you look ahead to the summer going down to Australia, I want every bit of experience that Eddie Jones can put on the field out on the field because uh, because a young team just got sh- absolutely ripped to shreds. They did, didn't they? They did. And to your point about getting the kids in, it does make a mockery, doesn't it, of not... I mean. Vinopola, uh, Billy Vinopola was not available for this game for obvious reasons but I can't see a good reason to exclude him I mean there's no reason he's, th- he's 29 where he played 
yesterday. Uh, yeah, I, 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 don't, I don't. I actually. Well, this is kind of the point. I, I don't care how old he is. Look at how he played yes. yesterday. That's it. Like Simon Shaw in his last game for the Lions, an absolute monster. Yeah, I kind of agree with that. I mean, well, Simon Shaw was still playing. Uh, didn't he go to the 2011 World Cup two years after that as yeah. well? Did yes, he was, did. Was he 40 or 39? 39, 40. I don't know. Yeah, I. He's 30 when he played for the Lions. I'm so, sure yeah. he went to the World Cup 2011 World Cup two years after. Oh no, maybe it was he went to the 20, 2007 World. Did he go to the 2011 World Cup? Oh, no, no, 2011 he got. No, 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 no. Hold on. When they won it, he was dropped for Martin Corry. He went to South Africa and then he played again. He, the, maybe, he did, maybe he went to the 07. He was in the he was in the World Cup final. Yes, I think he was. He, he no, he was in the uh, 2011. Shouldn't World doubt Cup Phil final. with with uh, fact, World Cup, we? not final, but World Cup. Uh, aged uh, 38 then. Brilliant, brilliant. So uh, yeah. yeah, England were absolutely. Were, were, were they? Yeah, they were dreadful. Have you lost faith in Eddie yet? <laughs> I don't know what to make it. I don't know what to make of it because I'm not just going to say, "Oh, it wasn't a proper England team." This was kids. I'm not going to make excuses. England were very, very poor. It's a horrible game, the Barbarians game, though, isn't it? Well, I, th- I think they were poor because, well, and, and this you could say this comes down to the coaches. I think there's a lot of players that got a chance today that just, excuse my language, shat the bed. Um, and and might won't be might won't be back in an England shirt in a, in a while. Part of that might be down to the way they were set up, which Eddie said after the game mm. is like we were trying to play a different way today. We had the opportunity to experiment. We didn't we didn't execute. We didn't do it. We wanted to play much closer to the gain line, play more on the front foot, and it didn't work. I think the Barbarians fixture is a very tricky one because if you win it, everyone says it's a waste of time. If you lose it, you you're a disaster, and you've got to win with some style. I think the message to the players when they go out there must be very mixed because the Barbarians are on the beers for five days. Five days worth of drinking. So how do you prepare for that mentally as a England England international? I know it's very easy to say, oh, yeah, well, you know, you just go and treat it like a test match. But you know it's not a real test match because it's not, it's uncapped. All the big boys are playing in the final. No, but they're playing for a place on the plane to Australia. You can't, you can't say this, that they wouldn't have been taking this massively oh, yeah, seriously. But, you know, when you watch like the A-team or the Saxons or whatever they're called nowadays and you see all these great names and they get thrown together and the product is dross because they, they only just about know each other's names. So part of it did remind me of that. You know, you're asking an awful lot of them to play a very good structured game against a team which is not going to be structured and they're going to be kicking it about and back you know back healing it over posts and, and all sorts a lot of jokes about um it's like watching bath <laughs> <laughs> i do like that i got to say there is one element of this which i did think during the game which is um nobody oh, sorry i won't go from that angle let's put it this way when you're loose, when you're used to losing you shouldn't be in an international team uh, we've been over this we've had this before yep. let's not have it again I could not disagree more no. like pick, pick on merit in each individual Charles spot in well yeah but that's on that would merit I would say no on that wouldn't be in on merit but there are jo- there are Joe other, and a singer no merit? he wouldn't be in on merit but there are other players he wouldn't be in on talent let alone merit George Ford when Leicester were bottom of the table and should have been relegated you're not just going to say sorry George you're in a bad team so you can't be in the England squad I would 
Well, I, See you later. That's crazy. See you later. There's, there's other guys that know how to win this season. You're you're not one of them. Well, bye okay. bye. But uh, okay, fine. We've been over this before. That's treating a team sport like an individual sport, and that's not how it works. Well, then in that case, more key players sh- shouldn't exist. Well, okay. So yeah, I wouldn't. I, I wouldn't have had them. It's a difficult one. <sighs> I don't know. I, I don't know what to make of this. I if I was you as an England fan, because I'm not an England fan. I would probably look back at the Six Nations and be more concerned about the Six Nations than I would be about this. Yeah, I'm, I'm not particularly concerned about this, although I am disappointed <laughs> that it went so badly wrong. Um, it, it's funny because um, the Barbars played with more structure than England for, for a, a lot of the game. Um, and England just looked just looked poor. Just looked not great around the rook, not looking after their own ball, um, trying things that weren't on at the wrong time. Like there's two, two intercept tries, the Olivon and the Pinot, um intercept try. One in in Darbar's 22, one in England's 22. Um, and just, just not getting the best out of the players. Against, admittedly, it's a very talented Barbar's side with a lot of um, French internationals with the French coaches um, there as well, so it's not it's not quite the normal Barbar's team. It's like a that. Barbar's plus team. Yeah, but... they, they they probably got more they probably got more cohesion than than the the England team. Well, there's something there. to be said. Like, again, we'll talk about it on the other pod, but a load of beers together is one great way to get some cohesion yeah. as a group. Uh, just on to that game. If it's an audition for the England shirt, which it may, it may well be, mm. I think it might also be an audition for the French shirt. That, that That's precisely what it is for the French yeah. shirt. So like my, there's, there's, there's guys who are not first choice guys who are pushing for their spot. How much would you love to have seen Max Spring training against, e, training against Ealing? Apparently he yeah. tore it up. Um, that, by the way, the French back row is pretty meaty, isn't it? Olivon coming back into that. French back row is pretty meaty. Good God. Yeah, he's some yeah. specimen. He is. He's South African-esque. He's some special. I mean, who, who's, who's got the most impressive back rows? Is it France or is it South oh, Africa? It's South Africa, just in pure num- numbers. Number yeah, like, them. yeah, but we're not talking about forming up a, you know, a, like a, a, a battalion of men to uh, storm a castle. Yeah, you just was, need three of them. It'd be France and South Africa and then probably Wales. Well, uh, well specifically open side. Yeah, Wales have got some good open side. England don't do too 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 bad at open side, though, do they? No, we're okay. I tell, and Makalu okay. as well. Makalu was running wild. <laughs> it was fun. He did run wild. It was fun. I mean, uh, I've never known. Uh, I've I've very rarely heard George Cruz speak. He might be now just on the strength of the bits I've heard of him this week, and you know, with, with obviously his that was his final game of rugby. At the age of thirty-two, he and Courtney Law, he might be joy. He might, if I'd have known more about George Cruz earlier, he would have been for the last few years my favourite player along with Courtney Laws. They are both incredibly interesting men, yeah, as mm. well as ferocious players. What what what's going on with George Cruz? I know he's retiring, right? But I think he's one of the few players that could just walk into any club. Someone would make salary cap room for him. Yeah, well, I mean, he, he, he mustn't want to play. Must, he literally no, no, he, d- he doesn't want to play. He wants to do something else. He even talked about that. That's what I found so interesting. He was talking about um, 
you know, life's about memories and life's about um, doing interesting things and challenging yourself. And I want to, I want to go make some other memories. He's like, he's actually kind of like completed it, mate. Done rugby, completed it. I'm not, I'm not interested anymore. I hope I want to go do something else. That's that's uh, that's. He seems to want to want to find things that challenge him. In the second, he's like, I'm a bit bored of this rugby thing, so I'm going to go and do something else. I hope he goes on to his local club and dominates level six somewhere, London, London Southwest yeah. level six or. I mean, well, North Dorset as, as an England fan, so he, he's gone. He's running his CBD well well being fitness um, supplement company full time. Him and Dom Day. So that, that, that I think is what he's going to do. It is yeah. because he he's making more than enough money from that <laughs> that he doesn't need to play rugby. But I just I can't help but think another eighteen months. Just get con- contract with one club for one year. Just stay in good shape 15 months um, yeah 15 months not not long and have a crack at the world cup because yeah, and tim tim to your point before about memories if he's, if he's going to make millions from his cbd business he can do that for the next 50 years yeah you'll you, he will only get one more crack at winning a world cup yeah yeah so you're looking at it from the world cup point of view right i'm looking at it from like a money point of view so yeah let's just say full-time rugby He's sick of it. He doesn't want to go and lift weights every single day. The sharp end of rugby, I'm sure, can get, you know, just get monotonous after a while. Just knowing that you've got to raise the intensity again and again and again. And then after the intensity of Saracens and winning European title, you've got to go to South Africa and raise it even more for England. I can see why it burns you out. I really can. But he could say, mm, look, give me X amount. I'll stay in good shape. You'll see me around two days a week and I'll play when the England boys are away and I'll be ready Champ- for... I'll play Champions Cup and Six Nations. Yeah, yeah. And pay me half the amount and I'll be doing my CBD business down the road. I'm sure there, you, could, you could do all those. There's, de- there's definitely a deal to be done there. Yeah. Definitely. I'd have, I'd have him in the England squad in a heartbeat. Yeah, he probably still would. Do you is, know what? Is Launch be fit? Could he be named tomorrow? Is he available? Because he, he wasn't in the squad, was he? He was resting, I think. Think so. I, I think hopefully he'll get named tomorrow. Yeah, mm. I don't know about him. Let's find out. I would love to see Itoji, Hill, Laws, Cruz, and Launchbury as that. I mean, that's more like it. Yeah, it is, isn't it? That's more like it. Laws on that is that is very handy. Laws and on... then you you could pick if you if you have that, you can pick one of the young lads. So che- you could pick Chesson, Chesson or Martin, or, or Martin or Hill. Just yeah. pick one of those guys to come and learn from the best. And I and I would if if uh, presuming Alex Dombrant's now out, I would recall Billy Vanapola. Do you know the Dombrant si- situation? What's happened to him? He's, he had, he's having a scan, so it's something with his knee. So I suggest that's not not good. But then who? But but see, everyone's calling for Alfie Barbary, and and they won't be happy if Billy Vanapola comes in and Barbary's out. That'll be loads of people moaning about that. I have no idea. I, what would I do? I don't know. I'd, I'd need to see them both up up front. I mean, once he's been to the Premiership final. There again, he's been to the Premiership final, been hit in the head in, in consecutive weeks too. So, how on, did he get hit in the head? The area that concerns me, Phil, I don't know, I don't know what, you, what you, where you think, is basically like the three quarters, the centres and wings. I'm not, I'm, I, I couldn't, I don't like how unsure I would be of who to pick. Because, like, obviously, yeah. Stuart Malin's kind of the only back three players that are, are sort of you go yeah totally happy with that I haven't got a problem um, I'm I, I'm not sure Malins is that nailed on you know I I think his, his form's been great for Saracens but 
I don't think he was that good for England. Mm. And he's he's maybe a little bit lightweight when you get up to the top, the and top level. Eddie loves Noel. Yeah, yeah everyone Noel, loves Noel. To be fair, yeah, I but love Noel's Noel. injury record yeah. is not great. He hasn't played a lot, but set with with Slade out. It's just centres just concerned me because I think Atkinson played him. Unfortunately, love the man, friend of the yeah. pod, stand in for Phil when Phil's not about. Um, but uh, I think he won't be on the plane to Australia. I disagree with him. I think Eddie likes him. I think Eddie is very intrigued by Atkinson, which is why he keeps on coming back. I think there is a plan for him. I hope you're right. Yeah. I, I, yeah. So here, do you want to know the rumour that I've heard about how Eddie wants to square the circle of not having Manu? Um, oh, we, we, what, the Stuart Barnes article? Or, you, or, or is this different from that? No, no, this is... Um, oh, okay. It's to have Freeman at 13. Because Freeman, oh yeah, you said that last week. Oh uh, yeah, Free and actually, we're seeing Freeman in an English shirt today. Do you know who, who he reminds me of? Pernell, the English, the English Pernell. Uh, yeah, I can see that. I can see the Pernell link. I would have him definitely. He looks, he looks every, every inch international. But he's never played thirteen, has he? No, but I, I, no, sorry, as an international player. He, he I don't know about thirteen. Like thirteen doesn't player. doesn't strike me as the great, greatest greatest idea. But I think, yeah, if you, if you say that Malins and Stewart are, you know, two-thirds of your back three, I would definitely... Oh, well, I'm not saying Malins to start. I'm just saying people that are sort of nailed on. I think mm. England's wing positions, we've got a lot of talented players, but no one that you go, oh, yeah, they're definitely in. And they're Joe Cochran's saying, yeah. Well, I, I, think, I think Johnny May is... I think he, I, he, he was good as well. He, he was decent, I thought. Yeah, he had a few nice touches. I, I know, I think... I know that, that really annoyed people that Johnny May was picked as well. I wasn't bothered about that. He's, he's class... And I don't mind him playing against the Barbarians, and he looked quite good. So. Yeah, he's not had, not had a huge amount of game time um, because of injuries. It's good to see him back. Yep. So I, I think I think there's a few. I think with with no Manu and no Slade, the, the back line. Pick your nine, and I, I'd be tempted to go uh, Wigglesworth, but whoever you want a nine, <laughs> then it'll be Marcus Smith. Faz, I think Marchant will probably play 13. That'll be the starting 13, mm. yeah. I think then you'll have Noel, Johnny May, and Freddie Stewart as your your back three. Yeah. Assume, get, assuming I'm, they're all they're all fit. I'm happy with that. It's the backup for that, I guess. Do you go do you yeah. does Dingwall get on the plane? Does do you bring Lazowski back in? I don't know. Centers Lazowski's a cool player. There's just no depth in some positions. Tight head prop um, tight head prop I get worried about as well. We're about to expire, gentlemen. Yeah, we are. Well, okay, let's leave it there because yeah. I think this weekend we found out that you're only as good as you fly half and when he goes down, you're only as good as your backup fly half. Yeah. Too right. Uh, thank you very much. Uh, find us patreon.com forward slash eggchasers. Um, contact eggchasers at gmail.com. We're here every week. If you haven't already hit subscribe, please do and leave a five-star review and let the boys play. Yeah, boys play. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 